Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is August the 1st, 2018. This episode 2261 of the Survival Podcast. And it's a Wednesday, and as usual, that means it is interview day. On interview day, we have a guest and we have an interview. I know that's crazy talk, but that's what we do. Uh, and we have a, a gal named Sarah Hanna Silverstein coming on with us today. She's a master herbalist and a classically trained homeopath and a board-certified lactation consultant, businesswoman, keynote speaker, wife, and mother of seven children. So to put it mildly, she's a bit busy. Uh, but she has taken time from her day to come be with us today to discuss herbal medicine and how we can use it in our daily lives and how we can use it if times get tough. I should say if times get tough or even if they don't. You know I'm excited about today because if you're a long-term listener, you know that herbal medicine is one of uh, the things that I'm really passionate about. I, I really believe that many times we're better suited uh, seeking some level of an herbal remedy to our problems rather than a pharmaceutical. Not all the time. I'm not one of those people that's like, you've got liver cancer, I rub some comfrey on it, it'll be okay. I, I mean, I, I've said this before, but if I get a yield sign in my spleen or something, I, I want to go to a trauma unit really, really fast. And there, and there are certain uh, things that, that go wrong in our lives that medications are, you know, conventional medications, allopathic medications, as they say, are great for. But I'll tell you what, day-to-day -day management of things like mood, which is something that Sarah's big into, uh, or chronic issues like sore joints and all, I've, I've gotten much better results uh, out of herbal medicine than pharmaceuticals. And, and things like uh, cold and flu treatment and prevention, actually, you know, not always not using a, a pharmaceutical, but also uh, using herbs to mitigate some of that and using it in prevention. Uh, mood enhancement. Uh, there, there, you know, there, there's few things in the world that can kind of perk you up and make you feel a little bit better, like a, just a whiff of peppermint oil. It, it's these types of things that we'll be talking about with Sarah today when we bring her on in just a moment. Before we do that, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is KnifeKits.com. Look, guys, KnifeKits is the place to go to get stuff so you can learn to start making your own knives. Did you know you can make your own folding knives? They actually have kits for folders. That's something I was kind of surprised about the first time I found out that you could do that. I always thought of like a knife kit knife being, you know, a fixed blade. That's kind of the place you start, the easiest type of thing. And some of the kits they have, man, they're, they're just fantastically easy to do. It pretty much is installing scales and doing some final sharpening. And some of them, you know, you're, you're, you're picking out your scale material and making your handle material yourself and, and, and form fitting it and what all. And then if you kind of progress, you can get raw steel, raw materials, and you can build you know, pins and build your knife from scratch. It's, it's really kind of start wherever you are and progress as far as you want to. That's one of the really great things about having them as a partner. They have a stellar reputation. When we uh, first brought them on as a sponsor like seven years ago, uh, we checked all the blade forms and stuff like that. Nobody had anything bad to say about them. Uh, brought them on. It was a good move. Uh, they've been with us now, like I said, over seven years. And uh, total complaints on knife kits from the audience in seven years, absolutely fundamentally zero. I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to me to have somebody that long not screw something up. But 
Uh, they just take care of people to the point where no one needs to bring it to my attention if there is a, a screw-up here or there. I'm sure it happens. The U.S. mail will make sure it happens sooner or later. But anyway, if you check them out today at KnifeKits.com, remember you also get a discount uh, as a member of the MSB. So go to the MSB and go into the benefits section before you order from KnifeKits or most of our other sponsors. Next up today on the sponsored deck, Ready-Made Resources. Uh, Ready-Made Resources does something with its name that I advised businesses to do for about 10 years uh, working in the sales, marketing, consulting realm. Uh, I would say, do what you say and say what you do. That If most companies would do that, then they would have great reputations and they'd be finding the right people that want to do business with them. That's what ready-made resources does. What they say is we have ready-made resources, and that's what they do. They provide ready-made resources for your prepping needs. You go to readymaderesources.com, and you're going to think you're sitting at like the Walmart of preparedness. Guns to gardens, tactical to practical, and everything in between, you're going to find it at ready-made resources. And if you are an MSB member, as I said, check for most of our sponsors, because even though we have a bunch of companies that aren't sponsors in the MSB, almost all of our sponsors are. Ready-made is there. They offer a discount program for MSB members as well. Again, you find that in your benefits section. So check them out today at readymaderesources.com. Before we move on and bring our guest on, let's uh, take a look at this this day in history. This day being August 1st. Well, you know, a lot of times when I do the day in history stuff, I have a hard time finding what I want to do. Like I look through all the stuff that happened. Eh, it's really not that this time it was like, man, which one do I do? I mean, uh, I'm not going to do it today, but uh, PT-109, John uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, PT boat, uh, sunk this day in history. Uh, George Bush uh, Jr. was uh, was suspended from flying aircraft in the Air National Guard this day. bunch of other stuff. Check out uh, this day in history on history.com if you want to know more about what happened today. But what I'm going to talk about is kind of a pop culture thing, and it's a little bit of a fun thing to think about. In 1981... August 1st, this day in history, MTV made its maiden broadcast. It was broadcast just after midnight in the early morning hours of August 1st, 1981. The fledgling music television network flickered to life. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll were the words that preceded an opening montage featuring a chunky guitar riff playing over a familiar image of an American astronaut planting an unfamiliar flag on the surface of the moon. A flag emblazoned with a big block capital M and the smaller handwritten letters of TV. The video that followed was famously and prophetically Video Killed the Radio Star by little-known English electronic new wave duo The Bungles. Pat Benatar's You Better Run followed. And from there, a rotation that featured several songs and videos that might be considered classics of early MTV era. Rapture by Blondie, Love Stinks by the Jay Giles Band and many more that might not, like Can't Happen Here by Rainbow, and Little Susie on the Up by Ph.D. You might wonder why some of those got in there. Well, there were about 80 different videos in the first couple weeks in the mix on MTV. They probably represented almost every promotional music video that was even available at the time. They just Music videos weren't really a thing until MTV. Now, as an 80s kid, I can tell you something. Kids today don't know how big a deal MTV was. MTV is now like a reality TV channel and crap, and they don't ever play any music, and I don't even know why they exist anymore. This was the biggest thing that happened to music. 
And the number one thing when I was in school that boys drew when they were bored and drawing were MTV logos. The beauty of the MTV logo is it looked cool, but it was something anybody could draw, so everybody drew it. I guess it was really that and the Def Leppard logo were the two things most of the, the boys... I think even people that didn't like Def Leppard did the logo because it looked cool and it was easy to do. Uh, but MTV changed music forever. And uh, kind of wish that the old MTV was still the new MTV, but... I guess even though they say I want my MTV, some things you just can never get back. And today, if you want to see videos, well, where do we go? YouTube. That's where we go. Anyway, this day, 1981, MTV launched, and they actually played, crazy as it sounds, music videos. With that, let me remind you real quick, you can help support this show by joining the MSB to do that. Go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on Members, you can learn more about the MSB, which is known as the Members Support Brigade. So you're a member who supports this show as part of a brigade that wants to make sure that it's here. That's what that's all about. You're kind of signing up to support the show. However, unlike public broadcasting where you know you give them a hundred bucks and they send you like a one dollar shopping bag with PBS on it and you can get them for free at the grocery store for a dollar except they have the grocery store's logo on them. No, we actually give you value for value. For 50 bucks a year, which is about 20 cents an episode, you get discounts to over 70 companies. You use those discounts, and you get more than your money back. See how simple that is? If you're a ButcherBox customer, a ButcherBox customer gets $10 off a month with the discount that we get you. That's $120 a year on a $50 membership from a single benefit. If you buy herbals, like we're going to talk about today, Western Botanicals has a $50 annual program. You get the first year for free, and if you keep it after that, you get it for half price. There's $50 bucks on a $50 membership. If you do Butcher Box and Western Botanicals, you're at $170. There's 68 other companies. There's $200 worth of free e-books. How cool is that? That's why you should consider joining if you're not a member yet. If you are or if you have been at any time, a heartfelt thank you. Is, uh, we're in our 10th year now. Without you guys, it couldn't have been two. You guys made the show a success by being part of the MSB. If you're a member, uh, thank you. If you used to be a member, consider coming back. If you haven't signed up yet, check it out. I think you'll like it. Go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on Members to learn more. With that, let's introduce our special guest, Sarah Hanna Silverstein. Again, she is a master herbalist, a classically trained homeopath, board-certified lactation consultant, businesswoman, keynote speaker, wife, mother of seven children, and there's a long list of more stuff. With that, hey, Sarah, welcome to the Survival Podcast. I'm doing great, and I just love your show, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, we're we're happy to have you on. Um, I am a huge fan of herbs. I have been kind of a lifelong student of herbal medicine. It goes all the way back to when I was a little kid. You know, I remember my grandfather really racked up his finger pretty bad, and uh, I was like five years old, and he put some plantain and some comfrey on it and wrapped a Band-Aid around it. That was the sum total of it. And like two days later, it looked so much better. And I was a little kid. I was like, My grandfather's a sorcerer. He can fix wounds with a leaf. Um, and it, it was really an intro into this, this, this world. And I, I'm a big believer that, you know, 
and I said this during the intro segment before I had you on, if like I have a, a yield sign in my spleen from a car wreck or something, please take me to a trauma center. But there's so many wonderful things that herbs can do for us that are softer, gentler, kinder, uh, and easier than conventional medicine. So having you on today is, uh, is really exciting for me. Absolutely, and I want to say on that note that I think that conventional medicine absolutely has its place. And, you know, if you have a terrible toothache, go to the dentist. But then in your recovery stage, that's really where herbs shine. So in my practice, I really like people to integrate alternative with conventional medicine and take advantage of the benefits of both. Um, you know, I try to get listeners connected with the guest as a person. So before we dig into the herb thing, Take us back to like, I don't know, you're in high school or something, right? And you're trying to figure out what to do with your life. What what path, straight or wonky, leads you to uh, the world of herbs? Well, I'll tell you actually that I was invited through Yale University to go to Oxford, England, in England, of course, to study Shakespeare and Chekhov. And there I was supposedly studying the great masters. And what really lured me was the library and its, and its works on botanicals. So when I was a little girl, I was also a plant person. I'd always spend time in the backyard. I always loved to watch plants grow. And once I got to university, herbs are really what led me in the direction that I ended up going. I was also a classical ballerina, and I spent a lot of time with sore, aching muscles, and I lived on comfrey leaf tea. I mean, I just lived on it, and I felt better. And any time I had an injury, my recovery was so fast compared to my fellow dancers. So that's a little bit of my path, sitting in England, sitting in Oxford University Library, and reading about herbs. It just goes to show, I mean, like, I've always said there's, like, something that does it for each of us, and when you find it, you know yeah. it, and then you just, that's that's what you're going to do. There's really no way to, it's like a moth to a flame type thing. There's really no way to do anything else. So, as you may know, right. we, we talk a lot here about hard times, whether that be uh, because somebody lost a job or because something really bad happened to a lot of people in some sort of a disaster, and there's a lot of emotional issues like people always think you know i'll store stuff up and, and what have you even a monday thing dad lost his job right okay we got food stored up we got reserve money you know we have things that we can get through that but there's an emotional blow there and, and if there's something major like a storm or a flood somebody lost their house emotions go everywhere so can you maybe lead off with how we can stay emotionally well during hard times and what role maybe herbs play in that Absolutely. So back to a personal story. I am a mother of seven children, and yes, I gave birth to all seven of them. And my daughter ended up getting hit by a car. Miraculously, we thought she was fine. And a couple months later, she tragically became a quadriplegic. She got a condition in her spine called transverse myelitis. And within an hour, my daughter could not move anything from the shoulders down. And I, I, I met her at I, I went with her in the ambulance, the emergency room, and we were kind of shocked, like, what happened? Did she get some kind of weird bug bite? And we, we thought it was going to resolve immediately, and hence we lived in the hospital together for seven months, and I was there 24-7. My kids at home didn't have a mother, but she was so paralyzed that she couldn't even hit the emergency call button for the nurses, so there was no way I was leaving her alone for even a minute. So it was such a heavy experience, 
um, mind-blowing. I mean, my, my world was shook immediately and so suddenly. And it was very interesting because I had written my book proposal for my book, Moodtopia, because I have a practice in New York and Los Angeles where I help women and men, and I do a lot of emotional um, help with herbal medicine. And when I was in the emergency room, of course, the first two weeks I was in shock. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. Anytime I left the bath, uh, the, uh, my daughter's bedside, I would go and throw up in the bathroom because I didn't even, I couldn't even contain my emotions. And what happened over the next couple of weeks was I started subconsciously integrating everything I had written about and researched for my book. And it was only when I left the hospital that I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, everything I, I, I spoke about in my book proposal helped me get through this tragedy. I mean, I want to say the news is that even though the doctors said she would not only never walk again, that she would probably never get out of bed again. She couldn't even sit in a wheelchair at that time. My daughter is, thank God, walking with a cane now, and we can delve into it further, but it's really only because of the alternative care that she got. After three weeks, the doctors gave up. They had tried something called plasmapheresis. They had given her a 1,000 milligrams of steroids for 10 days, which you can have a psychotic break, by the way, and then they 100% gave up. And I hired an acupuncturist who used to sneak into the hospital after hours and work on my daughter. And he would say, watch that pinky toe. It's going to move. And Jack, it would move after he worked on her for a couple of days. So there's my story. And we can definitely get into herbs that we use to, you know, keep my daughter and I sane during an absolute insane time. I mean, the blow that that had to be emotionally had to be huge because initially you don't know why, and then when you do, your thought is how and why didn't we know and is there anything we could... I mean, that's every every harsh emotion at one time pulling you in different directions. I, I, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. And, and how is your daughter I, today? Well, she's doing great, as I said. She's walking with a cane. She does gyrotonics and Pilates and acupuncture and uses herbs and massage therapy. And despite everything every neurologist said, she is very high functioning and working well, you know, and emotionally she and I and my whole family, I mean, you know, we went through, through very hard times. So I can say that, you know, one of the really challenging times about going through stressful times because you're right even losing a job or having to change apartments even the little things in life that kind of mess up our schedules can be very challenging for us emotionally and that's where herbs shine so what happens when you take herbs for emotions are you can take them when you need them and stop them when you don't need them and you're not going to have withdrawal symptoms you're not going to have side effects so let's say for instance a woman's very hormonally moody like every woman on the planet she's having days in a row where she's grumpy and gloomy and sad and nothing tragic's going on in her life it's just kind of you know dealing with traffic and dealing with social media and dealing with bosses there's an herb called motherwort which is astounding. 
a, a woman and a man, I want to say that men can also get hormonally gloomy and sad. You can take this herb three to four times a day. It's an herb that you can feel within 20 minutes, and it can dissipate that black cloud. And if you then start to feel better, just go off the herb and keep it in your purse or backpack and take it as needed. And what I found is that when I work with people and teach them about herbs, they feel so much more in control because they're having a day where they're frustrated and everything's getting under their skin and they can take some herbs to feel less frustrated, then they feel in control. See, the difference with psychotropic meds are, well, there's a lot of differences, but one of them is that you need to take it every day. And if you don't take it every day, it's not going to be effective. And then finding the proper dosage is very difficult. With herbs, it's a lot easier to find your dosage because if you take a little too much, you don't really have side effects. If you don't feel the effects that you want, you just take a little bit more. And then you don't have to take it daily because not every day is the same, Jack. You know, you're the same person, but some days you're sad, some days you're angry, some days you're frustrated. And that's what I talk about in my book, Moodtopia. And I want to say that all these emotions are normal. They're normal and they're important. For instance, if you're feeling very angry, there's probably something you need to change in your life. And that anger can can give you that impetus and that push to make that change. For instance, you know, I always tell the story. My mother, um, in the neighborhood that we had, there was a corner that was, there was an accident there almost every day. We lived in the canyons, but every day someone almost got killed because it was a it was a corner that needed a stop sign. So my mother was angry about it. She used to complain and complain and complain and complain. And then one day she got up and she called the city and they said, get a petition, get X amount of signatures. And she, with her anger, went and got all those signatures. And to this day, 30, 30 years later, that stop sign is there and is preventing accidents. So if my mother had not experienced that anger, she would have never fixed something. So anger can be wonderful as long as you don't get stuck in it. So in my book, Motopia, I talk about what I call the cycle of sanity. So sanity means that we go through frustration, anger, melancholy, but we don't get stuck there too late because here's the story. If someone's angry all the time, it's impossible to be around them. If someone's sad all the time, it's really hard to be around them. But if a person's in a state of sadness and you as a friend can sit down and maybe analyze what's going on and come up with some solutions, then that sadness was a time to maybe stop, reflect, get some help. So our emotions don't have to necessarily be negative when we are honoring them when they're there. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And I think that like your point is that we we are we are as living beings we move in and out of different emotions and they serve purposes. Uh, if if you lose somebody, for instance, there's a certain amount of sorrow you have to feel to heal. Uh, you said you know if somebody's angry all the time, you can't be around them. Absolutely. If someone's like ridiculously happy all the time, you you could they're not it's not normal, right? You couldn't be around that person constantly. Like you you've met people like that. You're like would would, would you would you stop smiling just for a second, please? Because <laughs> Because we're at a funeral, 
right? You know, like, single, yes. like, like, like so, the, so there is this, this, this way that we move in and out of emotions and deal with emotions. Um, and it's not normal to never be sad, to never be angry, whatever. And it does serve a purpose. People like, like fear is a very negative thing. Hey, if I'm standing in a street, I'm grateful for the fear that makes me move when a car's about to run me over. So there's the appropriate emotion, the appropriate response. And then what I like about what you've been talking about so far is it's not like, okay, so you're sad, so take this and you'll feel better. It's like this is a, the, the herb component is a piece of the collective total of what makes us live a more healthy way. Absolutely, and I love that you said that because we all need tools to cope in this very scary and overwhelming world. So when I introduce my when I introduce my clients to herbs, it's not necessarily going to fix the problem, but it's going to take that edge off of it, so they have the clarity to problem solve like they need to, like an herb called skullcap. I mean, in any kind of tragedy, whether it's a weather-related tragedy or an environmental, there's an herb called skullcap. That's one of my favorite herbs on the planet. Skullcap is for nervous agitation, that fear that you get in your stomach, that, that nervousness that you get in your body. Skullcap is from the mint family, which has a calming effect. It also helps with digestion. And we all know that when we're nervous or scared, our digestion gets off. And skullcap is an herb that I would have in my emergency first aid kit. Absolutely. I mean, I would have my antibiotic cream. I would have my Band-Aids. I would have some sterile scissors, some gloves. But there's a lot of natural products that I would have in my first aid kit. And skullcap is one of them because it calms children geriatric patients. It doesn't interfere with medications. One of my favorite herbs on the planet. I carry it with me wherever I go. So, yeah, I mean, because I'm big on not doing what I call replacement therapy. Like, you know, if you, if you have a headache, then you take this herb instead of an aspirin because a headache is neither a deficiency in an herb or an aspirin. Right, there's a reason for that headache. Right. But we can mitigate the system with an herb or an aspirin. We just need to be cognizant yeah. of that and understand that. And you mentioned skullcap there. What are some of your favorite herbs? So I already mentioned motherwort. I already mentioned skullcap, which I'm just passionate about. I love an herb called blue vervain. Blue vervain is really for panic, that panic that happens when your body gets too stressed. And I see in our culture, especially in the cities where I tend to dwell most often, that blue vervain is just a wonderful tool to have. You can be panicked to speak publicly or to have a business meeting or go to your children's PTA or going on a first date or a second date. Blue vervain just calms the system down in a very peaceful, relaxing way. And, you know, you said we don't want it to, like, replace a medication. So, you know, what I wanted to point out, and we'll get back into herbs, is from my research, it says that one out of every five American is taking psychotropic drugs today. And what the studies show is that psychotropic drugs are more often prescribed by general care practitioners that are allowed six, maybe eight minutes per patient. And what we used to consider normal fears, agitation, anxiety, insomnia is now being prescribed with allopathic medications. And that's why one of the reasons I wrote this book, Mootopia, is because I want people to understand that 
these emotions are normal and there's herbs that can be in your pocket to help you. You don't necessarily need to be on a psychotropic drug if you're nervous to start dating again after a divorce. You know what I mean? Like, that's normal. You were married to someone for 15 years. It didn't work out. It's time to date again. You don't need to go on a psychotropic medicine, but blue vervain may help you calm down and be able to speak to the person that you want to in a really relaxed manner. So, you know, we think about herbs and using them. I, I, I told the story of, like, my my grandfather picking up some comfrey and plantain right out of the garden and using it on a wound, but how, how can we make herbs portable? Because, you know, it's kind of great that that's there, but you know, we have seasonality, we go places, we do things. So can you talk maybe a little bit about the portability of herbs as a remedy? Well, you know, if you work with standard herbalists, and all my training was in herbal teas and infusions, and I found, at least with the clients I was working with in the modern world, there was very few people that were going to sit down and make themselves a cup of tea, um, and they certainly weren't going to make an infusion. So I use my herbs, 99% of my practice, I use tinctures. Tinctures are, you can make them yourselves. You can buy them online. I mean, I like good, reliable companies. But to make a tincture, you take the herb, either fresh or dried. Certain herbs tincture better fresh. Certain herbs tincture better dried. You pour grain alcohol over it. You let it sit for six to eight weeks. You strain it, and then you have an herbal tincture, which has a 10-year shelf life. And for survivalists and people that want to have things that are portable and easy to take around with you, a tincture is my best way to go. You can bring two ounces on an airplane, well, really three ounces. Bottles usually come in two or four ounces. So I I tend to suggest using herbs in tincture form. What are your thoughts? No, I, I agree with that to a great deal. I, I also think that there is a lot of advantage in dried herbs, though. Uh, there is some issue with uh, shelf life. But, you know, we kind of run in cycles throughout the seasons where something's really available and then it's not. So yes. you only make so much tincture at a time. So I, I kind of see the dry herb is the, is the the storage medium for that time of abundance. But tinctures, to me, are the most portable thing. Now, on teas, actually, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Of course, I work from home. Uh, so, you yes. know, once I've had a coffee for the day, I cut my caffeine off and, you know, I am going to have a cup of tea. I think it's actually a wonderful way to use herbs, but I, I do understand from the standpoint, like I remember when I had a job, and yeah. I would have had a lot of time, like the stress created by taking 15 minutes to make a cup of tea in the middle of my day would have outweighed the stress reduced by the tea, I think. In a lot of situations, Absolutely. right? Because like I got seven different things I got deadlines for the next week, and now I'm good. And I know actually we should take that time, but like working professionals, there's certain things like especially in your coming up years, you do what you got to do when you got to do it. So having that, it, it's it's sort of like pill form, but I think it's a lot more effective. Yes, and I I, I just find in in the society that I'm working with that tinctures is the way to go. And I always tell my clients about the benefits of sitting down and drinking tea, you know, but when it comes, when I start to talk about my, about my clients, about even doing some deep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 
You see the eyes roll, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even about deep, yeah. And I mean, there is no way my clients can take the time to deep breathe. So I'm like, well, here's the plan. When you get to a red light, I want you to inhale, and when the green light comes, exhale, and they're like, oh, I can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So making a tea is hard for a lot of my clients, but for my clients that are tea drinkers, of course, herbs um, infused in water is the way to go. But again, if we're talking about survival, and we're talking about crisis, and we're talking about functioning during crisis then in my experience, the tinctures is just the way to go. And they're very portable. And you can keep, and they're good in the heat, they're good in the cold, they don't need to be refrigerated. I mean, they're just so easy to take anywhere you need to go. And, you know, we use alcohol to make tinctures, and uh, a lot of people in this audience, we, we make, to stay legal, we call it fuel, but it's completely yeah. usable fuel for things other than motors, if you catch my drift. So there's a little bit of ethyl yes. alcohol out there available in this audience for making tinctures. That also concentrates the herbs. I talked about having the time of abundance where we have, you know, just like this this spring, I had one of the most amazing, you know, natural herb blooms on my property I've seen here since I moved in five years ago. It was amazing. There was stuff everywhere. Right now, everything, it's a fire hazard, right? So we can collect those yeah. things while they're available because uh, it hasn't rained in three months. So, so we can collect those things while they're available, and then tinctures let us take a whole bunch of herb and concentrate it into a small amount. So another thing that does that right. in a totally different way is essential oils. What are, what are your thoughts on essential oils? Well, if we're getting back to, you know, like moods and staying sane during crisis and keeping ourselves emotionally better, I think essential oils are definitely part of the picture. I mean, a lot of aromatherapists are going to scream and yell. I don't think they're as powerful as taking herbs internally, um, but I definitely think they're, they're tools that we can have, and especially during crisis. For instance, when my daughter was in the hospital, hospitals do not smell good. I mean, they not only do not smell good, they smell awful. Yeah. And so what I started doing was spraying essential oils in my daughter's room. And what happened was nurses would come in and say, oh, my gosh, your room smells the best room on the floor. And the nurses, besides falling in love with my daughter and wanting to be with her, they would come to our hospital room more because it smelled so great in there. And they felt calm and relaxed, and they loved it. And I saw before my eyes, you know, don't forget, she was in the in the ICU She was in real places where very severely ill people were. And these nurses and doctors, when they came in, just the smell of the essential oils allowed them to put a little smile on their face and be nicer. So I saw before my very eyes how dramatically different people responded when the room smelled amazing. So I love essential oils for that. If you're in a deep depression, I would say that herbs internally is the way to go. But I like to use essential oils in a slightly different way. Let me give an example. If you have a child that has trouble falling asleep, we know that lavender oil can help induce sleep. But here's the way I think it works on an even deeper level. If every time you go to get your child ready to go to sleep and you put a couple drops of lavender oil on their pajamas or on their pillowcase, what happens is subconsciously they will begin to associate 
sleep time with that lavender smell. So, so besides what we know that essential oils do is we can make subconscious associations with these oils. I'm going to give you an example. I live in the winters in New York and in the summers in L.A. I know I should switch it, but that's how my life works. And I love to go hiking all the time when I'm in L.A. So I hike this one canyon, and at one point there's this smell of pine. Every time I walk by there, I remember when I was eight years old and I was in horse camp. Look at how amazing our memory is. Now, I have, it's been quite a while since I'm eight years old, and every time I pass by this one part of the trail, even if I hike it every day, my brain sees me in horse camp. So what essential oils can do is make an association for you, and you can use it to help you calm down. For instance, let's say every time you get to work, you get nervous because your coworker is a crazy person. We all know that. <laughs> so let's say you had an oil like sandalwood on your desk. You could whisk, take a couple nice deep breaths with sandalwood and say to yourself, I know Whoever it is, my coworker is a crazy man, and I'm not going to get agitated today. <laughs> if you do that on a regular basis, every time you smell sandalwood, you're going to subconsciously remind yourself to not get agitated. So essential oils can do that because our olfactory system is one of the deepest ways to implant memory and to remind us of behaviors. That's how I love essential oils. Isn't that amazing? No, it definitely rings true. I mean, not really an essential oil thing, but you know, you mentioned the pines. When, when I do any kind of gardening work, if I bump, you know, tomato plants where that smell comes out of a tomato plant, uh, I'm in my yeah. grandfather's garden when I was a kid. I, I'm literally there. I think yep. smell has a very powerful way to pull us back to things like that, and, and that's that's very true, and it's it's useful. Uh, in the way you're describing a great deal. I also, I, I like essential oils for some of their, like, direct responses. Like, if you're congested, to me, you take a couple whiffs of peppermint oil, and, gee, you're not anymore. Uh, so I think they, they have both a, a mental uh, effect on us, but they also do have physical effects on us, for sure. Absolutely. But I'm saying, like, I, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, you know, like, Okay, I used Lang Lang because it's a very sexy oil and I wanted to feel like a little more excited and like it didn't work. So I'm like, well, let's talk about how you're using Lang Lang. So I think with aromatherapy, a lot of people get stuck into, I'm going to use this oil and boom, magic's going to happen. So, you know, like if you wanted to use Lang Lang, maybe you'd put a couple drops in your bath. Maybe, you know, you'd put a couple drops on your pulse points. You know, maybe you'd listen to some music you like. Maybe you'd have, you know, a little cup of wine or if you like a cup of tea. So it's not, in my experience, that the oil is going to then make that change. Mm. It's going to be part of the picture of where you want to be emotionally. R so that's, you know, that. Mm -hmm. rooting you back into the memory that causes the stimulus response that you're looking for. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's where I've seen my clients, you know, be disenchanted with essential oils before they walk in my, in my office because they need to use it in a proper way. For instance, if you're a student, we know that rosemary oil is going to increase blood flow to your brain and help you think less foggy and in a clearer way. 
So it's not going to be that you, you inhale a, a rosemary essential oil and you get straight A's on your test. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you breathe in rosemary oil, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden you're able to pull an all-nighter if you're in law school. But it means that if you start integrating rosemary oil into your study sessions, your brain is going to remember, oh, this is study time. This is not party time. This is not watch movie time. This is study time. And yes, it will increase blood flow to your air, to your brain, but it will also make that association with now study time. And that's how I feel essential oils are extremely powerful. Yeah, I think one of the problems with it, I, I don't mean to upset anybody out there, but uh, essential oils have become a major focus of many companies to do network marketing. And they do a pretty yeah. good job of brainwashing. And you get people that, like, you know, when they're in that zone, if you tell them anybody that has any problem, oh, it's this oil, and it, it, it's back to the same type of thinking, the replacement therapy, right? Like, you know, pancreatic yeah. cancer yeah. is not – Is, is, is not a, a deficiency in lavender oil, right? So you put all the lavender oil yeah. you want on somebody with pancreatic cancer, it might make them feel a little better, but it's not going to cure their cancer. And, and I think that it's right. like all herbs have those nefarious dark places where people have you know snake oil marketed them, but it seems to me like essential oils for some reason have been maybe pushed that way a little bit more, you know. And I think it's because... They do elicit pleasure, right? So it, it's an easier yeah. thing for someone. I guess maybe they might be using a little bit of your methodology in reverse. They're like conditioning people to sell because, oh, I smell the oregano oil. Let's go sell it to my friends or something. And I, I think anything has potential for abuse in, in a variety of ways. And I do think they're valid, but I think like your grounded approach to them makes a lot of sense to me. Right. So going back to the hospital room, these oils did not cure my daughter. That is a fact. It did not cure my daughter. But what it did was it enhanced the care that she got. It enhanced the care that she got because people enjoyed coming into our room. They wanted to know which oils we were spraying. Every day I would spray a different oil. Some oils they would like more. Some oils they would like less. And it just made the environment more conducive to healing. It may not have healed her completely. Does that make sense? No, But it sense. created that environment, yes. So that's how I, and of course, there are other aromatherapists that are going to work in a different fashion. But I think because I was trained first in classical homeopathy and then um, Western herbal medicine, when I then started incorporating um, oils into my practice in my life, I just used them as one of the tools to success as opposed to the only tool for success. I like the multifaceted approach. So, like, what other natural remedies might you recommend to people in our audience that are concerned with self-sufficiency, maybe for for a time, short or long, dealing with medical issues without access to uh, a doctor? I mean, that's something that I think sometimes people think only the guys that are off in the bunkers believe that. We're a very practical preparedness show, but, I mean, you look at things that have happened recently in the last 10 years with hurricanes and stuff. People get cut off three, four, five days with no access to anything, let alone a doctor. So what maybe are some other natural remedies that people should be aware of? Well, I love Yanapaye powder. Have you ever spoken about that? No. And I'm, I may not be saying it properly, but it's Yanapaye powder, and that's a powder that is for cuts and wounds, and it coagulates blood very quickly. 
And it's just amazing. I mean, having raised seven children, one girl, five boys in a row, and then another girl, you can imagine my boys were wrestling and playing and got cut up all the time just because they're boys. And Yanapaye is one of the most amazing. It is actually dried um, mugwort, which is an herb that I love, and it helps coagulate the blood. And it comes in little teeny tiny um, vials that you can buy online, and that is amazing and part of my emergency kit. The other thing I love so hold is on, green hold on. clay. Hold on there. Yes. I, want to, I want to stop on that. So that's kind of like an herbal version of like a cellox or a, a quick clot. It's 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 yes. it's a wound stop. You know, it, it stops bleeding. Yes. I've I've not heard of that at all. I mean, we recommend that people keep Cellox quick 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 clot or something like that. Uh, one of them in particular is uh, based on shellfish, so some people may have some reaction to that, so they go the other way. So I'm gonna have to look into that. Do you? How, how do you even? Oh, you're spell, gonna love it. How do you even spell that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up on my okay. phone, but I want to tell you a story. Um, I, I was um, up in a bungalow in upstate New York, and I was there with my seven kids, and my husband was in the city for the week, and all of a sudden I get a banging on my door, and this woman had cut her finger severely on a tuna fish can, and they could not stop the blood. They were raising it over her head. They were putting pressure. So someone said, go up to Sarahana. She's, you know, like this, this woman that has all these magical potions up there. And so this woman was sitting there. Blood is all over my floor. And she's like, just do whatever you want with it, Sarahana. And she's on the phone with her husband telling him that he's got to drive up from New York City because she's got to go to the hospital and get stitches. So I, of course, cleaned out the cut, and then I start. I put, I packed it with Yanapaye powder, and then I did it, packed it again. And by the time she was off of her phone, she goes, oh, my gosh, my finger's not bleeding anymore. And I said, I know. And I kept her in my bungalow, and, you know, whenever the blood would start, we'd put a little sprinkle of the Yanapaye powder, and she did not need stitches. I remember that my son once bumped his, um, the corner of his eyebrow and his skin split open and I knew he needed stitches. So I put you on a paillet powder in it and I, I walked him over to our local doctor and he said, I don't know what you put on there, but this wound looks perfect to me and he doesn't need stitches. So Yanapaye, and we're going to find that spelling, is amazing at coagulating blood. It's something that should be in everybody's first aid kit. Okay, cool. I, I've already looked some stuff up. I'll have links in the show notes to that. That's that's a really interesting one. So I'll, I'll let you proceed off Love from it. there. But that one that one kind of backed me up because I mean, obviously, blood loss is is one of the major things that you know causes loss of life. So that's yes. it's a, a septic reaction from a, an herb mugwort. I didn't know that they have a little. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. They have a little pill inside. It is Chinese medicine that you can take internally. I mean, I do not use it internally, but it is for um, severe bleeding. So you can take it internally and use it externally. I, in my practice, only use it externally, and I, I, I don't travel without it. It's such a small, cute container. I take it everywhere I go. My second favorite, 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 um, and these things are not listed in my book, Moodtopia, but they're so important for us to discuss, is French green clay. Have you ever used that? Do you know how to use that? No. Oh, well, you're going to love this. Okay. French green clay is just green clay from the ground. It's three major uses is, number one, mosquito bites. Number two, kitchen burns, and number three, diaper rash. 
So for kitchen burns, I mean, I don't know about you, but I get burnt in the kitchen when I cook, and I used to cook a lot. So I would always have green clay in my kitchen. What you do with green clay is you put it in a little cup, add a couple drops of water, make it into a paste, put it right over the kitchen burn, let it dry. If the burn is still stinging, you could put another layer over it. And I'm going to tell you, unless it's major burns, you will not even see your, a burn mark in the morning. So depending on the intensity of the burn, I use it all the time. Like if I'm taking bread out of the oven and I get two little burns on my forearms, I'll just put some green clay on it in the morning. I don't even see it. It is mind-blowing. It is one of my favorite herbs on the planet. Well, it's not really an herb. It's a clay. Mm-hmm. Then I use it for bug bites, um, especially if you're out in the country. Um, and, you know, you can get attacked by mosquitoes and, and just be like this big red blown up uh, <laughs> mosquito bitten person. You take green clay again in paste, put a little bit of the green clay in a cup, add a couple drops of water, mix, mix in a paste, put it over the mosquito bite. Once it dries, you don't have to take it off. It will dry and crack and kind of come off itself and you can put two or three layers over it i wouldn't travel without green clay and for diaper rashes i don't use it in a paste i use it just as a powder and sprinkle it like you would cornstarch hmm. and it's amazing it works specifically for um, babies' bottoms that have yeasty um diaper rashes and kids come to me all well parents bring their kids to me all the time with these diaper rashes that just haven't gone away for months and we use green cray green clay and I don't want to say anything is magic because I don't practice um, magic but green clay is up there <laughs> so those are two things that would be in my first aid kit immediately that's great because I have a pretty well rounded uh, knowledge of this stuff and those are two I was completely unaware of I looked up green clay while you were talking and Mountain Rose Herbs sells it and if they sell it it must be good and uh Uh, Star West Botanicals yes. provides it, so I mean, uh, Live Strong has recommendations for it. So, like all of my go-to's, uh, uh, back back your claims on this. So that that's a really interesting one, and I wonder what makes it work so well. I mean, obviously, like you know, putting mud on an in- insect bite—that's a, a, a centuries-old thing because the cooling nature of the mud and all. But it seems like this stuff works at a higher level than just that. I wonder what's what's in it that actually has that. That reaction that, that has it has a, an ability to sorry it has an ability to draw out um, the toxins from the mosquito bite. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how it works in a burn, but I have to tell you it does. And now Sarhana can be your go-to person. You see, always yeah. learning new things. I love it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> so, um, so if we're yes, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, and, you know, when we were talking about emergency kits and crises, there's also an herb called mimosa bark, and mimosa bark brings joy to the heart. And obviously, if you're going through a crisis, you know, there, there's nothing worse when you're going through a crisis than someone saying everything's going to be okay. Because all you want to roar back as a lot, like a lion and say is, How do you know? Don't promise me that. You don't know that everything's going to be okay. You know, so that's a really hard line. And then when people are going through crises, people will say, yeah, I've been there before. And I'm like, no, you thank God never had a daughter that became paralyzed. You do not know what I'm going through. So, you know, it's very easy for people to respond in very nasty ways when they're going through crisis because they're really in pain. 
So there's an herb called mimosa bark that brings joy to your heart. Not like getting stoned. It just kind of tempers the pain that you're going through and brings joy to your heart. And you can also take it, take so that's mimosa bark that I love. There's also rose petals that is actually an herb, a medicinal herb that we use in tincture that can also help bring joy to your heart. And lavender, which is so popular as an essential oil, is also an herb we take internally. And lavender tincture is something for stuck sadness, when that sadness is just stuck inside your body. Um, and lavender can help move that sadness. So those are three herbs that I would also love to have in an emergency survival kit. Because whenever you're going through crisis, you know, you're going to feel really down and bringing a little joy to your heart, I think is important during crisis. Absolutely. Um, you keep mentioning a book that you've written called Moodtopia. Can you talk to us about what inspired that and tell us a little bit about your book? Yes. So I've worked for the past 26 years. Um, I'm a uh, lactation consultant. I help women with breastfeeding problems. I also helped deliver 469 babies as a doula. And then I became a classical homeopath, and I treated ear infections, chronic strep throat. So I was just around new moms, babies, grandmothers, fathers, grandfathers. My practice grew very, very quickly. And one of the things I noticed, was that people's moods tended to get in the way of their success or their feelings of success. I remember I had this mother who I thought was the best mother I ever met. Like if I was giving out awards, she would get the Mother of the Year Award. She was just this spectacularly positive person. And when her kids were out of my office playing in the other room with toys, she looked at me and said, I am the worst mother. I, I was baffled. I said, what? She said, if you knew what was going on in my brain, if you knew the moods that I had, you would fire me as a mother. And I looked at her and I said, it's so normal for people to be moody. You've got to understand that there's always positives, and then there's herbs you can take so that you can feel in control of your moods so your moods don't control you. That's my statement. And after she left, I knew that I needed to write a book about moods. And I wish that moodiness and the fluctuation of moods and how moods change as we age, they change when we go from from little kids to toddlers. We know the terrible twos are, twos are just moods that come and go. And then we've got adolescents, so we know their moods are out of control. Then we have women before and after babies, and then we have husbands before and after their wife's babies, and then we have perimenopause and menopause. So I wrote this book, Moodtopia, where I, spoke, where I speak about the benefits of moodiness, herbs, and essential oils that can help you be in control of your moods, and I give a lot of amazing other tips, like the, 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 the choice of color around you can absolutely make you feel better or make you feel worse. So if you're waking up and it's a day where crisis happens right away, that's a day to put on a, a shirt or a blouse that makes you feel better. So every time you look in the mirror, you see this vibrant turquoise or this 
spectacular yellow. And if you're working in an environment that's really depressing and makes you moody, you need to put colorful things around your desk. So my book not only talks about herbs and aromatherapy, we also talk about the importance of having a liver that's functioning as well as it can. And I talk about things like the impact of color, and I talk about the impact of food. And it's just a handbook of very easy tips to help you feel more in control of your moods. Cool. So I've already got links so people can get to like your website and stuff like that and get your book in the show notes today. So if people want to know more about the book, they can come on by. I've got links to all your social media stuff, too, your Facebook, YouTube, Thank you. Twitter, so people can hook up with you. Uh, as we get ready to wrap up here, uh, can you tell us why herbs are an important part of overall health and wellness um, in a survival situation, in everyday life? It doesn't really matter. Like, is a holistic thing. So what's very interesting is if you look at humans – Um, two generations ago, um, the number is that we used to eat a variety of a minimum of, of 120 different plants in a calendar year. And if you speak to the average person now, you're lucky if they eat six vegetables. They have some romaine lettuce, they have some cucumbers, they have some tomatoes, they have some peppers, you know, occasionally we'll eat some green beans, a potato here or there. But we've really massively decreased the amount of plants that we're ingesting. And what happens is we get what is called liver congestion. Now, there's a lot of products out there that says that they're going to cleanse your liver, but we don't need to cleanse our liver. Our liver is what cleanses our body. We need to support our liver so our liver can cleanse our body. So most of those claims of, hi, this is a liver claim, most of them are bogus. But there are bitter herbs that we can ingest that support the liver and allows the liver to cleanse itself easier, and then you'll have a lot less anger and frustration in your life. So botanicals like dandelion root, artichoke, burdock root, um, culver root, these are just some of the plants that we can include in our lives that will support our liver and give us overall benefit benefit to our health besides just emotional benefits. Well, great. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Uh, can you tell people, like I said, I got links to everything, but you know, tell them where they can find a, more about you online. So you can visit my website, which is sarahana.com. That's S-A-R-A-C-H-A-N-A.com. You can find my book, Moodtopia, in bookstores across the U.S. and, of course, online. Um, I'm on Twitter. Just say Sarahana at an S. Facebook, Instagram, and I'm so excited. Anybody can email me from my website, and I'm available to answer any questions. Um, if I don't get back to you right away, just email me again. I do get inundated, and I do Skype and WhatsApp video clients now all over the world. I mean, it used to be that I was limited to my clients only in New York and L.A., but Now the world has changed, so I have clients in China and South Africa and Japan. So it's really exciting to um, meet people all over the world and be able to help guide them. Now know that herbalists help guide you to find the herbs that work best for you. We don't want you to be addicted to us, meaning one or two sessions with a good, well-educated herbalist. We're going to give you a protocol, and then 
you're able to do it for yourself for the next couple of years and you'll see a major difference in your life. Your energy will get better. Um, you'll have less brain fog, um, be more in control of your moods. I mean, I just love her. They're just great for us. Well, great. I, I really did enjoy talking to you today. If you ever want to come back and uh, chat with us again, uh, just get the guest form filled out. We'll get Dorothy in touch with your folks, and we'll get you back on the air. And uh, thank you for being with us today and for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you, Jack, and I'm a big fan of your podcast. I really enjoy listening to it. Well, great interview. Really enjoyed talking to Sarah today. Let me remind you, I do have her website, uh, her YouTube, her Facebook, uh, her Twitter feed, uh, her book, her blog, all in the show notes today. So if you didn't, you know, a lot of you guys listen to this when you're working out or when you're driving or something like that or when you're multitasking, you didn't have time to write it down, you just go by the Survival Podcast, pull up today's episode, And as usual, just about anything in there mentioned that's online somewhere, we'll have a link to, to, to there for you. You know, you guys, sometimes I say I'm going to put a link for something in the episode. I don't think I screwed it up today. Um, but sometimes I'll say that, and then I don't do it. If I ever miss something like that and you like, hey, where the hell is it? Just let me know in the comments, man. I'll always get that link worked in for you. A lot of times, though, people do that, and the link is there. Go up into the, uh, the notes, and you'll see a series of bullet points, and it'll say resources for today's show. And almost all of the links that you could need for that show should be in that set of bullet points right there. All right, with that, let me remind you a way you can support this show that's really super simple and, and basically painless is when you're going to shop online, go to tspaz.com first. That's all you really got to do. You go to tspaz, T-S-P-A-Z.com, And then you can see all my reviews on Amazon and stuff like that. But you can use that kind of your launching point for your online shopping. As long as you go there first, you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work we do, no matter what you eventually buy. But I do have an item of the day most days for you, uh, something that I recommend. Today's is a book, and it's by a guy that I kind of owe a really big debt to. His name is Peter Hathaway Capstick. And I recently answered a question uh, for a listener about books for a 15-year-old boy coming out of high school and, and forming a worldview. And one of the books I recommended was Death in the Long Grass by Peter Hathaway Capstick. This is a different book. And this one's more a collection of short stories about different things that happened uh, in, in big game hunting. And uh, it's called Death in a Lonely Land. But... The reason I picked this book to feature at tspaz.com is it's done so much for so many people with one small, small, short story in it that doesn't really have anything to do directly with hunting. It's about biltong. Yes, that wonderful, wonderful, basically meat cheese is how I describe it. It's just, it's like making a fine prosciutto except doing it out of beef and it only takes a week to do it. That's, that is magic. If you think about it that way, it takes a freaking year to make a good prosciutto. You can make biltong in seven days from just a few ingredients and I know a lot of people know how to make biltong. It's kind of a thing now. But the reason that I got on this microphone almost 10 years ago and told you guys about biltong for the first time, and many of you would have never even heard of it had that not happened, is among many other wonderful things I've received from my, my, my wife for presents over the year, I got these books, a collection of them from her for Christmas many, many years ago. 
And I'm reading through it, and I'm reading about gunpowder cocktails and all kinds of stuff. He's derived for Sports Afield. A lot of stuff in this were his small articles from Sports Afield maybe flushed out a little bit and then dropped into this book. And I see this one on Bill Tong, and I start reading this stuff on Bill Tong. What the hell is that? And uh, I'm like, oh, I got to do this. And I had some deer meat uh, that was in roast form, so it was still big enough to be cut down. And I, I immediately pulled it out of the freezer, defrosted it. And I think it was two days later I had this the deer meat hanging in my office in the house and the dogs looking at it longingly and my wife going, what the heck are you doing? And the first bite was love. That's the only way I can describe it. Now, this book's really not about Bill Tong. It's got that one article in it. It talks about how Bill Tong fills a role in South Africa still to today. And when I say South Africa, I don't mean the country. I mean the region. Uh, it talks it talks about all of that stuff and how we figured out how to make it at home and what have you and, and how simple it is and why not to do all kinds of complicated crap. But that's just one little small story in the book. The book is amazing. It will take you on journeys throughout the dark continent uh, to real stories that really do look death straight in the eye. It's an incredible book if you've not read it. Again, it's by Peter Hathaway Capstick. Um, really interesting guy that unfortunately checked out way too early at only 56 years of age, uh, but left us this incredible body of work. Um, check it out today. Again, it's called Death in a Lonely Land. You can find it at T-SPAS. And if you're like, I don't care about that book, well, remember, as long as you shop on T-SPAS, when you shop online, you do help support the survival podcast and the work that we do. And if you see it reviewed on T-SPAS, I own it. I spent my money on it. I would do it again or it wouldn't be there. That's what makes me different from most people that review products for Amazon.com. Before I close up today with the song of the day, I just want a real quick announcement. I put out an article today, a little short one. Guy from a company called BarnDominiumFloorPlans.com uh, named uh, Kinch uh, reached out to me. And they have a pretty cool website. He said, I'd like you to consider us for MSB. And I said, you know, Barn Dominiums, as cool as they are, what they are is like basically like a barn steel frame building turned into a house. As cool as they are, I don't know if it's a broad enough thing to work out in MSB. I'm not sure. He said, well, I want to do 75 bucks off all of the floor plans. And I said, well, that sounds interesting. And he said, oh, well, can we do it as a trial? I said, okay, here's what we'll do. You set up a deal, and for the next 30 days, they can get the discount. And we'll just let anybody and everybody that wants to have it, not just members. And if there's enough interest, we'll move you over into MSB as a permanent partner. So I'd like to hear from you, even if you're not a buyer right now. I got the article up on the website. You can just go to the Survival Podcast and scroll down uh, till you see it. Because a lot of people like have plans in the future. So if you think this would be a valuable partner to have in the MSB, and you know, I'll get a few dozen or so people that think that, you know, we'll make them full time. Otherwise, for the next 30 days, you can get 75 bucks off a set of plans. And they are really detailed, cool plans that I mean, you can get with a builder and get going on. Uh, they have a lot of great stuff on their website, too, talking about things like how you can get financing when you're building a Barnuminium versus a conventional house. Pretty cool stuff. Again, you can check it out again. BarnuminiumFloorPlans.com. Let me know your thoughts on that. With that, let's talk about our song of the day. Our song of the day is by Steve Earle. Uh, Steve Earle, to me, is one of the more underrated musicians of all time. And this song that we have today is one of the more underrated songs of an underrated guy, in my opinion. It's called Someday. And I, on Song Facts, what they say is this, and I'll tell you where I disagree with it. 
Uh, this song is sung from the perspective of a young man who wants to escape his town. It's a very American sentiment, as the country has so much opportunity, but many people lack the means to ever leave their small towns. The, the character in the story has a brother who got out by earning a football scholarship, but he's stuck working at the gas station and dreams of day, one day of driving away in his Chevy. Now, I'll tell you why I disagree with, with just a little bit of that. The claim is that this song is about people that want to leave but can't due to their means. I don't believe that's what this song is about at all. There's, there's a key line in this song that I think is actually what makes it really an awesome song. And it has to do with letting go. And I think that's a good thing for us to think about in a lot of places in our life. It's in the second verse, and here's what he says. Someday I'm finally going to let go, because I know there's a better way. I want to know what's over that rainbow. I'm going to get out of here someday. Someday. Now, if you if you take that and look at it, that doesn't sound to me like someone that says, if I had a little bit more money or I had a little bit more opportunity... What you have is someone that in spite of the fact that his small town is just kind of rotting away on the vine like so many small towns in America, part of him really doesn't want to leave. It's not that he's not leaving because he can't. It's not that he's not leaving because he doesn't have the means. It does say, now my brother went to college because he played football. I'm still hanging around here because I'm a little bit small. I got me a 67 Chevy. She's low and sleek and black. Someday I'll put her on that interstate and I'll never look back. That's a little bit of an excuse, maybe. A little small. Also, it's words that rhyme. What I get out of this song is, I can't let go of this place. I think that's the universal sentiment, and there's a lot of that. When, when I you know, kind of came of age, joined the Army, I knew I had to leave Pottsville, Pennsylvania, and, and Minersville, Pennsylvania. I knew that there was no future for me there. Don't think it wasn't hard to leave, though. Because there were certain things I loved about it, hunting and fishing and my friends. You know, I had a lot of fun. There was a lot of cool places to go, a lot of stuff to do. But in the end, it's kind of like the beginning of this song. It ain't a lot you can do in this town. You drive to the lake and you turn back around. There was a lot to do, but it really wasn't. You know? It, there wasn't a lot of places to go, a lot of things to see, a lot of things to do. I mean, we had two restaurants. One was Chinese and the other one was uh, called the Blue Tavern back then. There wasn't even, if, if, unless you cast like, but there was a McDonald's. There wasn't even a, there wasn't even a decent restaurant in the Dadgon area back then, but yet you hold on to it. And I think there's a lot of things like that in our lives that we hold on to due to nostalgia, or a sense of duty, or a fear of what will happen if we let go. They can sometimes be major life shifts, or they can be simple mental shifts like letting go of being so married to what some ass clown says uh, about government or about a law or about some place else in the world. There's so many things that we hold on to. We know there's a better way, but we have a hard time letting go. But you can't really see over that rainbow until you let go of the things that are holding you back and take the actions that you know to need because you know there is a better way. There's another song that talks about a better way. You hear it all the time if you listen to the show right at the beginning. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Help me figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.